0: You can tell uh, we're talking a little bit about volunteering uh, here today. Uh, Before we dive right into that, and I I think we've got a great conversation uh, for you in just a moment, I want to remind you one more time, we've got literally thousands of these cards when you leave today. Be sure and grab some, take them to your friends. It's an invitation to the marriage series that's coming up, and literally this card gives your first-time friend and says, look, we want to invest in your marriage, we're going to send you out on a date uh, with your spouse. Uh, just for coming and and checking out the series. And guys, just to kind of run home uh, the importance of you and I being sure the right people are in the room, Uh, I finished last service, and a a guy called me over and had a conversation. We were talking, and I thought the conversation was over, and uh, we got to the end, and uh, he looked at me, and he paused, and tears began to go down his cheeks, and he said, I've got the divorce papers filled out. And when I saw that we were doing the marriage series, I decided to wait and see if God could do something. Now, guys, I just I can tell you right now, there are friends and neighbors and people in your life who either have the pay or are close, and you probably don't even know it. See, everything's... But getting them in the room and having to hear their conversation may be a thing that turns them around. And so I just want to encourage you, take these, take whatever discomfort or risk you think it is, drop this in the hands of some neighbors, some coworkers, and say, look, I'm not saying your marriage is bad. I'm just saying, hey, all of us would like to have a better marriage. Why don't you come check it out, see if this will help. Hundreds and hundreds of cards are waiting for you and I to hand out. They don't do any good if they stay on the table. Just want to encourage you with that. Hey, uh, we are uh, talking today about this whole idea of volunteering and volunteerism, and we thought what better way to kind of have this conversation than to actually maybe uh, talk with uh, some big-time volunteers around here. And so we've got uh, Charlotte Slattery who volunteers uh, all over this place. Uh, every single Sunday uh, coming, uh, we've got uh, Mary Ridberg. Uh, you've seen her all over. Uh, Craig Borger, you probably uh, yelled at him in the parking lot just this morning. Uh, and these guys are just some super volunteers in this place. And we want to have a discussion with you guys about why, why and what's going on that you guys are so involved and willing to volunteer here. But let me, let me run you down this list just a little bit. Uh, Craig has actually been serving here at Cornerstone, you ready for this? 15 years. Yeah. And uh, right now, kind of the place that he's landed is out on the parking lot. He leads our entire uh, parking team as a volunteer, which means simply this, that on almost every single Sunday, almost every single service all through the morning, Craig is out there on the parking lot, whether it's 110 degrees and high humidity or it's freezing cold, uh, he's out there leading and managing uh, that team. Some of you in this room flipped him off this morning, and now here he is on stage And he recognizes you. um. And then uh, next we've got Mary uh, Ridberg. Mary uh, has been serving here at the church for over 10 years. Uh, Mary is the head of all of our usher teams uh, that are here. And uh, again, almost every single hour, almost every single Sunday, uh, she leads that team, hundreds of volunteers uh, who you're responsible for. Uh, You're part of our prayer team uh, here at the church. Uh, you do some hospice visits uh, for us here at the church, and then on Sundays when everyone's down here in front counseling, Mary's often down here in front helping to counsel, and then uh, sometimes she actually sets appointments away from church to sit down if that counseling needs to go further, so that's Mary Redbird on the deal. Uh, and then we've got uh, Charlotte Slatterly. Sh- Charlotte, your husband was supposed to be here today, but he's feigning illness so he could get out of this, right? Okay. Tell him I don't believe it. No, I'm teasing. Uh, no, Tom was going to be here too because the truth is they're almost like this amazing kind of co serving uh, team around her. Charlotte has been here 16 years. So, since the beginning of the church, uh, she's been serving. Yeah. <clears throat> So let me give you a few of the things she's doing right now. She shops, her and her husband shop every single week to buy the inventory for the cafe out there for us. Uh, She leads the women's rummage, or helps lead the women's women's rummage sale. Uh, You and Tom do premarital counseling uh, here at the church. You are involved in Second Saturday. Uh, you're on the production team, and some people not recognize you because you're the little gal in the back with the parka on and all the mittens, because you're freezing when the rest of us are hot in this room. Um, you serve sometimes in our infants ministry, and you are highly involved in our missions program here at the church, right? Yep. It's Charlotte Slattery. Very cool. Okay, so here's, here's what I, I want to do. I, I guarantee you, after I go through a list like that, some of these people, they're going, Okay, these people must, like, not have any friends, uh, and they must be the most bored people in the world. I mean, if they're serving at that level, that capacity, they, they, they apparently don't have anything to do, and so they're just doing this because there's nothing better. Talk to us about that for a second.
1: That probably is, uh, that's the farthest thing from the truth. I mean, the reality is a lot of the social aspect in our lives comes from the people that we serve with. Uh, a couple of my two longtime friends uh, that I've known ever since I lived in Arizona, I met them serving here at Cornerstone 15 years ago. Hmm. Um, as, as far as, you know, the time commitment, um, you know, it's something you just, you prioritize. After you serve, time, you realize how important it is in life. Um, and there's, just to talk about my team a little bit, there's, a, there's some people on there that are really committed. Um, there's a handful that work overnight, sometimes even on Saturday nights, then they come in and serve on Sunday mornings. Uh, there's one gentleman that works six 12-hour shifts uh, m- uh, Monday through uh, Saturday, and he comes in and serves on Sunday morning.
0: Yeah. So
1: if he can find time, I know I can find time.
0: And then, I mean, and you're being a little bit humble about it, I know you're starting up a business, and in the midst of all that that's involved and anyone in who, here who's ever tried that knows that's a huge time commitment that's when you actually became super involved in the parking ministry around here.
1: Yeah, the parking ministry became a full-time ministry in 2006. Uh, then a year later, uh, right as the economy tanked, we started our business. So, yeah. so good timing. But nonetheless, yeah, it's been it's been something that was you know priority priority for me
0: to serve. And then Mary, I I, I think you've got like 40 children, right? Yeah,
2: several of them are right <laughs> over there. I do have I have 40 children and one grandchild. I have six
0: children. Six children. Six children. Okay, so you've got six children, you've got a grandchild, so none of that keeps you busy. On top of that, you work full-time, right? Right. And then you serve here. Right, that's right.
2: But Craig just mentioned it, and for me, it's a priority. Um, For my children, um, many of them serve with me. Um, I believe that modeling that behavior to them and um, placing God first this day is all about being here and about the people my team i've got two of my team members there my idol joan Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just, we spend time together in this community, and mm-hmm. it is a priority.
0: See, I, I remember hearing you have a conversation, or hearing about a conversation you had with your son where you said, look, here's the deal, uh, we're going to serve on Sunday, so we're going to have to take what our family normally would do on the weekend, so all the washing the clothes, the laundry, uh, the, the mowing the grass, all that, and we're going to have to schedule it and figure it out so we can get it done on, sun- on Saturday, so that we can go and serve on Sunday."
2: It's a great trade off. Um, I just compress everything that needs to be done and it takes most of Saturday. Um, I'm a coupon shopper. I um, am you know, very committed to cleaning my own house every single Saturday. So it takes most of the day to get that out of the way, but then I know that my priority and I, my conversation with my son went like this. If I got up on Sunday morning and thought, what are we gonna do with this day? And it was anything other than being here all day long with the people that I'm with on my team, the people that I pray with, the people that I counsel. Um, there is no choice that I would make that would hmm. be more important, meaningful. And I think we're given spiritual gifts and a purpose, and then my job is to give that back to God.
0: See, I think, I think this is important for us to hear because here's here, many of our best volunteers are some of the busiest people I know who have simply said, I'm going to... F- find, this is so important, this is such a value in my life, I'm going to make, I'm going to put this in my priority slot uh, for my life. Here, here was the other thing I found interesting as I talked to you guys, and that was that across the board for all three of you, and it's interesting because you know, 16, 15 years, 16 years, 10 years here at the church, but one of the things that was common amongst all three of you is all three of you began serving very quickly after you came. You know, you didn't wait a year or two. You didn't wait till you went, oh, okay, Lynn has talked about this enough. I'm going to get him off my back. I'll serve. You, instead, you guys engaged really quick. How do you think that engaging quick and getting involved here quickly changed your overall cornerstone experience? What do you think that the value was for you?
3: Well, I think for me, um, getting involved, serving, um, got me involved in the church. Hmm. Um, that's where I developed my relationships. That's where I met the people that I know. Um, that's where I got plugged in.
0: Hmm. And, see, and, I, and I, see, this is what I think we miss because it's a big church. This is a big church, and it's really easy just to become a number in this place, and yet serving's an answer to that because all of a sudden when you serve, you begin to do relationships together. Matter of fact, I think, Craig, you were talking about, uh, the the parking team out there actually likes each other, which we find surprising. But uh, Yes, we do. Yeah, so tell, tell us a little bit about it, because you, you guys are not just parking cars on site. You guys are actually doing things together other times.
1: Well, we have the opportunity. Our, our service runs the majority of the morning, and most of our effort is whenever you guys are coming in and leaving. Whenever you guys are in service, we get to hang out out front, have coffee, get to know each other, talk a little more, um, learn how our weeks went. And then beyond that, um, we even hang out outside of, of, of Sunday mornings. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we went go-kart racing together. Um, we watched the Super Bowl at one guy's house this year together. And uh, we always try to, you know, do those things together as a team outside. So of I'm just, just thinking,
0: Sunday. I want to join your team. I mean, you get to throw rocks at cars on Sunday and go go-kart riding during the week. That's a pretty cool ministry. Thanks for the plug. There you go. So, but here's, here's the part I think is important is especially for guys, because let's just be honest. Guys don't want to go sit around in bond, sitting in a room, holding hands and singing kumbaya. That just doesn't work for the guys. But if I can go out and do something, see, if I can get my hands dirty, if I can work on something, be part of a team, all of a sudden I find myself having friends that are on that team, and suddenly the big church gets really, really small serving. And I think that's a big deal for us to hear. All right, so here's my next question on the deal. Um... Sometimes, and some of your stories that you guys told me was, the first time in, the first time you tried this, you didn't necessarily find the right match, that, that you started to serve somewhere, and you realized this isn't, this isn't where I belong, and you didn't give up, and you kept looking. So someone talk to that a little bit.
2: Craig's going to do it. Craig's going to talk about it, but he's going to talk about I how much to, he enjoyed being an usher.
0: Yeah, I used to
1: be an usher, but I think I got fired. <laughs>
0: Actually, you started out. It wasn't in the high school ministry.
1: Yeah, I was uh, friends with the youth pastor, and he kept uh, nudging me to help out with the uh, high school ministry, and I and I did so. And then and you
0: figured out you didn't like high school kids. They didn't like me. Oh, okay.
1: But you know, it was something that I did, and I, I wasn't. I found that I wasn't fully into it. Um, and the opportunity to do the parking ministry came about, and that was something that really just came about, and it was something that was right up my alley. I'm an engineer. Um, So it just was right in line with how God has awkwardly and oddly gifted me uh, to do do design out at the parking lot and mess around with the cones and the signs and all that stuff. So when I made the switch, I was much happier. Um, That's the thing I want to say is that if you do service and you don't like it, just change. There's other
0: opportunities. So you were kind of saying one of the other services, being on the parking lot is like a huge erector set, and you just move the cones all around and confuse the parking people every Sunday. There you go. Yeah, we do that on purpose. And then, Charlotte, I think you had actually volunteered. Complete. We kept shutting down the ministries on you. Every ministry you volunteered for, we closed, and you kept having to find other ministries. Right?
3: Yes, I did take it personally for a little while. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's the great thing about Cornerstone is that there's always an opportunity. You can always find someplace, something that fits Um, your time schedule, your giftedness. There's just so many opportunities and such a need that it's just real easy to do. Okay,
0: here's, here's one of the perceptions I think we sometimes have about serving is that serving is all about me just kind of draining myself. I mean, taking the time I don't have, the energy I don't have, the effort I don't have, and I'm giving this all away, and that if I add, then all of a sudden I just even feel a little bit emptier. But you guys were talking about the idea that often when you're serving, you actually find yourselves being filled up and even sometimes growing through the experience. And I know one of the things we were saying was, you know, sometimes you're counseling somebody, Mary, and someone asks you, and you go, I know that's in the Bible somewhere, so now you're at home looking for that verse, and you're getting that much further along in your own personal study. So talk to us a little bit about the, the filling up side, the growing side of serving.
2: The filling up side and the growing side of serving is innate to service. Um, every single person on my team, gives back to me in a way that we're family. Um, We are a part of each other's lives. We talk together, we pray together, we know about each other's needs, and and we're there for each other. Um, The counseling part, absolutely. Um, I work in a job that's very demanding, um, but it's in the secular world, and so when I walk through these doors and I'm able to spend all of this day Um, pouring back into people who actually give to me in the process and and fulfill my need for serving in that way. Mm. I feel that I get so much back. And I also feel as though it propels us into, Marty Sawyers was just saying to me, Mary, what do you do um, to fill yourself back up? And what I do is spend more time here. It's just a domino effect of the process. And so the mine is my spiritual spa day, hmm. and I come and fill myself that way. And the women's ministry, I mean, we just, we, the more you are engaged and you feel that this is your purpose, the more purpose comes just hmm. innately into your life. See, I
0: think part of what we're hearing is, is that if you're serving in the wrong place, it's just going to be a drag. But if you find that place, if you find what God made you for, wired you for, all of a sudden, this becomes exciting. And you want to be here, and you want to be, and you go, I, I can't even imagine missing this. And suddenly, there's something really, really cool about serving in the body of Christ. Now, one of the other things, too, and we'll finished with this, we've talked the other hours about this idea that we've created a church where it's okay to bring your friend, It's okay to bring somebody who's far from God and let them come to this place. And that often what happens on this campus, if you stop and think about it, they literally meet hundreds of our volunteers long before they ever meet our staff, long before they ever meet me. And so all of a sudden on Sunday there's this opportunity to be a little bit of Jesus to some people who are trying to figure out Jesus. So talk to us a little bit about that.
3: Well, I think that As people come in, um, we want to make them feel welcome. We want to be the people that smile at them, that let them know that we really do care that they're here. Um, And just, I mean, they have so many opportunities to go do other things on Sunday that if they come here, we want them to know that we appreciate the time that they've taken, that we appreciate them being here, And so to be that part of it, and we don't want them to be worried about, um, you know, somebody was rude to me outside or whatever. So being the best volunteer that you can so that you're making that experience good for them so Mm. that when they're here, they're listening, they're hearing, they're receiving the word instead of being upset that somebody... You know, so didn't treat them in right. In
0: some ways it's 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 removing everything that would distract them from this conversation about Jesus. You now here's here's the thing, and I'm just gonna say this. I, I can't tell you how many times I sit and meet the staff, I sit in a membership class, and I hear people and here's the story I hear over and over and over again, it's kinda humbling, but here, hear it and it is I came to this place and within the first ten minutes I knew I was home. And and as a here's what I know when I hear that. I, I know that they haven't even gotten in for the sermon in the first 10 minutes. So they've already decided this is home, and, and I haven't even had the chance to speak to them. And here's, here's the cool part about that, though, is I know that they experienced you, Craig, out there on the parking lot. I it's a 10-minute walk sometimes. Well, yeah, so they had to decide before they even got to the campus. But, uh, and then Mary, uh, they've experienced the ushers and the greeters and the people who welcome them at the door. And sometimes when you're serving in the children's, they, you were the one taking their child, you know, across that door. And the remarkable thing is, is they've already seen sometimes through our volunteers enough Jesus that they know this is where they belong. And I just think that is totally, totally cool and honor and honor to you guys, honor and honor to our volunteers uh, here at the church. We did do something. We just wanted to kind of uh, hold you guys up and celebrate your service uh, here, and so we got something for you guys. You're, I, you're welcome to put this in your trunk, and never. you can use it as a doorstop. I don't, it doesn't matter, but we wanted you to, to know and, and to feel from us a little bit of honor, and so we got you these, and they're called the Dirty Hands Award because we know you get your hands dirty serving Jesus. So, Charlotte, there you go and Mary, and Craig. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, dude. Yeah, give me hugs. Yep. Okay, so let's just take, we don't have long, but I want to take a few minutes together and I want us to just kind of finish this conversation about serving. And here's my best guess, guys. Uh, there are some of us in this room who serve. Uh, we've, we've already uh, moved to that place in our life, but there are some of us in the room who don't serve yet. And here's my best guess, that those of us in the room who don't serve yet, it's not because we don't get service. It's not because we're saying, look, I, I just don't understand and it makes no sense to me and my decision is I will never serve. I think it's much more likely in this room that the vast, vast majority of people go, No, 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 I, I, I do get it and I do understand and I do get that this is important. But what you're not understanding is I have got life coming at me full speed. I, I've got the kids to raise, and right now we're, we're going through a moment with one of them, and, and there's the stuff that's going on at work, and, and there's just a season at work right now where it just seems like work is never done. I'm trying to be a good spouse. I'm trying to get my kids to soccer practice every single, and here's the deal, it's, it's, serving is on my list, it, it, it's on my list, it's just, it's number 12 on my list, and, and if you knew my life right now, I'm lucky, I'm lucky in any given week to get to number 7 on my list, So I'm going to get there. I mean, there's going to be a moment. Things have got to level out eventually. And at some point, at some time, my desire and my hope is, and I'm going to get to number 12, and it's going to be a part of my life. But right now, there's just no way I'm getting to number 12. And I get it. I understand the conversation. Here's my hope. My hope is that some of us today will decide to move serving up the list. Because truth be told, as long as serving stays at number 12, in all likelihood, we may spend a lifetime and never get to service. And, and that today you and I walk out with a, a new found priority and the says, look, look, it's not, it's not that everything else on my list, the one through 11, wasn't good, wasn't important, it's just, I just have come to a new place of understanding that serving has got to find a new home on the list. And, and I've got to do what Mary Redberg did and just said, look, I'm going to carve out the time and I'm going to readjust and I'm going to reallocate and, and I'm going to make this part of my life. Matter of fact, it's interesting because Jesus is having this very same conversation With his disciples. He's talking about the priority and the urgency of serving one another. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles and go with me to John chapter 13. And we'll just kind of peek midstream into this conversation that Jesus uh, is having. John chapter 13. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and work to the left, you're going to find this book of John chapter 13. We're going to start in the first verse. Jesus is pretty much at the end of his ministry, so think about the moment here. He knows he's going to the cross in just a few hours. He's having those last, most important conversations with his disciples, and isn't it interesting that in those last, most important conversations, the things he wants them to remember from now on, he chooses as one of those primary topics this conversation about the importance of serving one another. So here it is. It's John chapter 13 starting uh, in verse 1. Some of you will recognize the story as we get in. Here it goes, John chapter 13, verse 1, it was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them, ready, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Guess how he's going to do that? Serving. Drying them with the towel that had been wrapped around them. Guys, you just need to know this this is crazy. And if you had been a first century Christian hearing this story, you would have said, That is that is off the hook. That this would be equivalent to if the president of the company that you worked for came to your house one evening for dinner. And when dinner was coming to a close, he looked and he said, look, here, here's the deal. Uh, we just want you to know, uh, we so deeply appreciate you and we, we so hold you in high regard as one of our, impl- I, I just wanted to do a gesture to, to let you know that. Could I clean your toilet? And you'd be going, oh, no, that you know, feels a little weird. No, you know, thank you. That was very, but because, because, you ready for this? In the first century, there was no household chore lower than washing the feet. And you just need to know that as this story unfolds, as this moment happens in front of the disciples, their jaws are dropping, and everything within them wants to run over to Jesus and like, say, get, get up, get up. That that job is beneath us. But surely you, this is so uncomfortable. Peter ends up having kind of a dialogue with Jesus. They have a conversation. That conversation ends. We pick up the story again in verse 12. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand? Do you understand what I have just done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things you will be blessed if you do them it's an interesting conversation and an interesting moment in which the creator of the universe says the thing i need to do the thing that is most important is for me to serve how does he get there how does this how does this become the priority of the end of his ministry how does this become the talk he wants to have with his disciples at the very end What moves him to that? Go back to the passage because I think you and I get a hint. Go to verse 3 again. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. Next word. So. I think the most powerful word in this entire passage is the word so. Here's why. There are certain things that happen on the other side of so. In other words, I figure something out, I realize something, I come to a greater understanding, so my life changes. I used to behave this way, this is how I used to live, this is what I used to think, but suddenly I understood something differently, so my entire outlook on life is different. Let me see if I can help. You lied to me, so I no longer trust you. See, there are things that happen on this side of so that change my reality and change my life on this side of so. He asked me to marry him. So, we're picking out China. Okay? (laughs) There's things that happen in this side of so that change how I behave on that side of so. This last summer, we went on vacation, and we spent way, 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 way more than we should have ever spent. So, For the next six months, we're eating top ramen, (laughs) okay? There are things that happen on this side of so that change life on this side of so. Does that make sense? Okay. What happened in Jesus? What is it that Jesus knows on this side of so that leads him to the conclusion that the best thing I can do is be a servant? The best conversation I'm going to have with the disciples is about being a servant. Go back to the passage go to the front side of so. Verse 3 again. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Here's what Jesus knew. Every single ability that he had the Father had granted him. All of the opportunity to live on this earth to do his ministry God had commissioned. All of it. You ready for this? All of it was from the hand of God. So, in Jesus' mind, the most logical thing to do with all that power, do with all that authority, was serve. Second phrase, and he knew he was going back to the Father. That he was going to stand in front of his father and say, okay, you gave me unbelievable opportunity. You gave me authority. You gave me 12 disciples to work with. You gave me the opportunity to go and preach and do the message. And that he would give an account. That he would tell the father, this is what I did with what you gave to me. The ministry that you gave me to do. And knowing that he would go before the father, so. Now this is interesting. Because every one of us in this room has to make that same decision about so, every one of us has to say, "Look, look, look! All of the experiences that I've had in my life—the good ones and the bad ones—I wonder why God gave them to me. The opportunities that I've had are, are those are, are those my opportunities." Or are they God-given opportunities? I know, I know, I know, know. because here's the natural thing. You and I go, whoa, 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 Lynn, look, I've got a degree behind my name because I went to class, and I studied for the test, and I pulled the grades. So you better believe that education is my education. And Lynn, the reason I've got the job that I've got is because I stood in line with 100 other candidates. I'm the one that wooed the interviewer. They gave me the job. I've done the job ever since. That's why I've got a job. So you better believe that job is my job. And the reason I've got the house that I've got for a house is because I pay the mortgage on it every single month. So you better believe that's my house. But what if you and I come to a moment in our lives where we begin to say, I think all the things that have happened in my life, the good things and the bad things, the things that have been there to teach, have actually been given to me by God. I think, I think the opportunities that I've had that others have never even dreamed, the things that I think God gave that to me and the capacity to work and, and maybe even my personality, the fact that I can add numbers in my head when other people all have to write it down, which means you're weird, by the way, if you can do that, but I think maybe God gave me that ability and I think maybe even the parts of my personality, and I'm winsome, and I seem to have a way and a rapport with people, I think God gave me that. And some of us who think linear and understand and can roll 3D things around, really, that's, that's yours? Or did God give you that? And so here's the thing. And if God gave me that, see, if I find myself on this side of so, saying, I, 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 think, I think what I used to think was mine and that I, maybe God gave me, then isn't the next logical question, I wonder what he was hoping I would do with all of that opportunity, all of that capacity. Is, is it possible that all of that was just for my glory and for my comfort and for my success? And Jesus says, no, no, the most logical thing to do once I realize that God gave me the opportunity and the capacity and once I realize that someday I go to God and explain what I did with all that he gave to me is to serve, is to take part of what he's given and use it for him. Matter of of fact, Jesus' intuitive response, get this, was to grab a towel, a servant's towel, he knew that God had put all things, given him all things, and his response was to take a towel. And I'm just going to suggest to you that when it, when it clicks, when it hits you and you go, man, every blessing I have, every ability I have is God-given, your intuitive response will be when you realize, when, when you move to the other side of so. God gave me this so I will use it for him. You know, it's interesting. I don't want to make too much of the passage, and I don't want to get too weird about it. But, you know, there's there's almost a little bit of a picture there as Jesus takes the towel. That It's almost, almost, okay, and like the towel represents everything God gave him, and now he's using that to minister to his disciples. Because, Because you ready for this? Because I think... Jesus know who owns the towel. So he serves. Back to the passage. Verse 12. When he had finished washing the disciples' feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand? What I have done for you, he asked him. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I am your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash each other's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. You get what Jesus said? I'm simply asking you to do what I did. I'm simply asking you to imitate me. I, right, right? I'm asking you to be a little Jesus. I'm just asking you to take what God gave you and use it to serve. And I, 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 in that moment, guys, here's what you've got to get. When you and I serve, we look more like Jesus Christ than any other moment of our lives when we have a towel in our hand. And Jesus, in the moment, says, "Look, look, look! Here's what I'm asking. I'm, I'm simply saying, would you be me in a world that needs to see me? And if you take that on, you'll have a towel in your hands." I'm I'm at Haruma this last year, and great trip. Matter of fact, if if you would have asked me, I would have said best trip to Kenya that I've done. Uh, gone there a couple, three times now, best trip. And here's what I would have said to you initially. I would have said, I think the best part was the pastor's conference, because this year, for the first time, I got a chance to go talk to Kenyan pastors, and just talk about leadership principles. And I, I'm just going to say, I had a blast, because we're sitting there, and you, you watched his eyes lit up, and, and pastors started clicking, and I just thought, wow, you know, what a cool use of my time, and I love talking about leadership, and I just thought, boy, if there was ever a time when I was going to make a difference in Kenya, I bet it was the leadership conference, and I felt that way all the way up until the day we were getting ready to come home, and mama straightened me out. One of the other things that we did, kind of the ancillary thing, if you had asked me, is the dorm that we're building over there, Uh, how they do their construction is they, they put up like hundreds of these sticks, these just like wooden poles. And then on the top of them, they use these poles to kind of hold like little metal plates in place. Okay, so picture this. Hundreds of poles just wedged up holding little plates in place, and then they pour concrete on top of that. And they let the concrete set, and now it was time to take the poles down. And Mama comes to us and says, hey, why don't you guys take the poles down? It'll, it'll save us, you know, the labor on that. Take the poles down. So we get out there, and, and sure enough, and, I mean, on the first one, we're like, because you're afraid. you've The whole ceiling comes down on you. And we realized after a little while that wasn't true. It was just the opposite. The ceiling had kind of glued to the panel, and you weren't going to get those things down being delicate. So now we've got homemade crowbars, and these things are like 40, 45 pounds apiece, and you're trying to knock these things loose on the top. I'm old, so I'm telling you, like three swings, and I'm going. When's lunch? <laughs> and so we for a couple days we're we're doing this, and I'm going to be honest. We're sitting at break, and I'm looking at the guys. I'm going, what if we were to hire a couple Kenyans to do this for us? You know, and, and we're chewing on concrete, and it's just, and you're pulling it down, and I just, I can't even just it, nasty. We get to the last day, and as we're getting ready to leave, Mama's standing up in front of those children, and here's what she says to the children. I now know that Papa Lynn loves my children because he took the poles down in the door. And see, she'd been with me at this pastor's retreat. She'd heard all the incredible things I'd said. But in her heart, she knew that I was a pastor of a large church, and I was taking poles down, and she said, now I know. He loves my children. See, here's the deal, guys. When you and I grab the towel, it's the moment in our lives that we look like our Lord. And guys, I'm just going to say, and guys, if there was ever a generation, if there was ever a time when this was key, it's this generation. I mean, are, do you guys hear the conversation that's going on in TV? Do you hear what our young people are talking about? And it's all about serving. It's all about being in a broken world and trying to fix it. And, and so we're buying Tom's shoes and we're giving someone in Africa Tom's shoes. And we're, we're buying bottles of water and we're digging wells and thing. But guys, 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 stop, stop, stop if you listen closely, isn't the conversation, where's Jesus? And my question is, where's the church? And, and where are we grabbing the talent saying, I will serve and I will lay down my life and I will be the answer. Because here's the deal at the end of the day. In the midst of handing children's shoes and digging wells, you and I also have a story of a Savior that's got to go along with this. So my question is, where's the church? And, and you realize that a generation, I believe a generation is waiting for the church to grab their towels. And if we miss our hearts, I believe it's going to be because we chose not to serve. Last part of the passage, verse 16. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Do them. If you take number 12 and make it number 2 or 3 in your life, so that you know it gets done, so you know that it happens, that there's some expression of you being like Jesus and serving. Here's, here's what I want us to, to do for just a few moments today. There, there are plenty of Christians who serve in our church. You do that. And here's one of the identifying markers of, being, of serving. You always get your hands dirty when you serve. I mean, think about it. Even Jesus, as he's bowing over and taking care of the disciples, he's sticking his hands in toe jam water. You can't serve and not get your hands dirty. You can't serve and not get a little sweaty on the parking lot. You can't serve and not run into a couple diapers in the nursery. You can't serve and not have some high schooler in the middle of the night doing burping contests. You can't serve and not be just a little uncomfortable. It's just, it's just what it is. Your hands will get dirty if you serve. And you and I, this room, we've got dirty hands people all over this room. People who've already answered the call to serve. So here's how I thought we'd, we'd end our time. I'm going to ask the band to come back out. They're going to play. And I'm just going to ask every single dirty hand Christian in the room, every single person here who says, look, I serve I serve. I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat, and if you look, you can see there's whiteboards all around, and in front of those whiteboards, we've put little pads, and you stick your hand in the pad, and if you've got a big hand like mine, you're going to have to work it around a little bit, and and then I want you to take your hand and put it on the board, and say, I'm a dirty hand, follower of Christ. I choose to serve. I serve. And it's just our way of honoring you. It's our way of just kind of restating our commitment to getting our hands dirty for our Lord. Now, there's little things there you can wipe your hand off when you're done if you want to do that. You know, if it was me, I'd leave it on my hand. I'd want to go home and have my kids go, Dad, what's on your hand? Mom, what's that? Go, I'm a dirty-handed follower of Christ. I, I get my hands dirty serving Jesus. Because we all should. I think it's a good testimony. Let's pray. Hey dear Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you in this room for the dirty-handed followers of Jesus. For those who have come to a moment in their life and have moved to the other side of so and said, you know, if if all of my ability and my capacity and the opportunities of my life, those really are a gift from God. If they don't ultimately belong to me, they belong to him, then serving is the right answer. And they've chosen. They've just simply said, I choose to do what my Lord did. I'm going to get down on my knees and I'm going to grab my towel and I'm going to have some expression in my life where people see more of Jesus than they do of me. And if that's knocking down sticks in Kenya or serving in a parking lot or greeting people at church. I don't care. I just want people to see Jesus all over me. God, bless these who serve. Thank you for these who've answered the call. In your precious name, amen.